Hey, look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Now look back at them and say, it's good to see me too, all right? Hey, we're so glad that you're here. My name's Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. And what that means is every single time I have the opportunity, I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Now, not because I'm some great communicator or it's even my story, but I believe this story is a story about Jesus, and Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. And so if you've ever asked the question, what is God like, you don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is the story of about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. Jesus. We wrote it on the wall. If you need some help, don't worry. We're going to write it on the wall at the Lompoc campus. And uh, so what that means is no matter where you're watching from, uh, whether you're attending here in person, whether you're at the Lompoc campus or online, you're going to need a Bible to follow along. And so uh, if you forgot your Bible, you can just slip up your hand. One of our ushers will get a Bible to you uh, at both campuses. And so um, if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We pray that you read it every single day because every time you do, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey, we've been in this series uh, for the past several weeks in the book of Genesis. So uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's the first book in the Bible, in this library of books we call the Bible. So once you turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number five, and um, I'm going to read this riveting chapter um, and you'll see what I mean by that in just a moment and we're going to read this together and then see what the Lord has for us amen this is the book of the generations of Adam Genesis chapter 5 starting in verse 1 this is the book of the generations of Adam when God created man he made him in the likeness of God male and female he created them and he blessed them and named them man or Adam which is simply another word for humanity for all of humanity named them man and the Hebrew is Adam when they were created when Adam lived a hundred and thirty years He fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters, Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. You can tell this is a riveting chapter. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. You're beginning to see a pattern. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel, Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. 
Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. I know you're on the edge of your seats. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son, and he called his name Noah. Don't worry, we're almost to the end. Saying, out of the ground that the Lord had cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he fathered Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are and who you are to us. I ask for your grace that you would help us in all things, that we would study and glean from your scriptures that you've left for us and they've been going viral for thousands of years. Let us ponder, reflect, and be open to what you have for us to receive today. Bless uh, the mind of this preacher and allow my words to be with humility and authority. And we thank you and we praise you and let everything we say and do bring glory to you and good to this valley. And everyone said, Amen. I, I was speaking with someone this week and uh, another pastor and I, I said, uh, I'm in Genesis and he had listened to the previous message that Pastor Tyler gave, which is a fantastic message from Genesis 4. And he said, so are you going to skip Genesis 5? <laughs> and knowing what was there and are you going to skip straight to Genesis 6? And if you're familiar with Genesis at all, we have a doozy of a chapter next week. And... Uh, and so you don't want to miss that one. And so I thought I would stall and we would read the generations of Adam. And I thought, man, as I begin to think about this text and, and, and sometimes what happens is we get to passages like this and, and, and we kind of just blitz through and, and we think it, it, it's kind of formality that these, uh, these words are here, these generations. But um, you'll, you'll begin to see that there's meaning in all of scripture and that ultimately all of scripture we believe point to the person of Jesus we actually believe that the Bible is one continuous story from beginning to end and it finds its place the 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 linchpin of the entire thing the whole thing finds its answer in the person of Jesus this isn't lip service we actually believe this and then we open the text and and I try every single week to uh, to to set the precedence for what I'm going to say and so I say hey I'm going to try to tell you a story, the greatest story, 
about this person named Jesus. And then we get to the book of Genesis, and you wonder, like, how are we do, doing that? Didn't Jesus come on the scene thousands of years later? Like, aren't we in the wrong part of this library of books, these 66 books that are put together, the canon that we call the Bible? It, isn't this place, that, aren't we in the wrong spot if we're going to talk about Jesus? And then we've been in the series for the past several weeks that we've entitled Good News from the start. And, and that we're not meant to just do away with the Old Testament. And, and I want you to see that there, there's an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. I want you to see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, from the beginning to the end, the Alpha, the Omega, the author and the finisher of our faith. And his plan from the start has always been for our good but sometimes we read texts like this and like I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know about this text. like how do we how do we pull meaning from that and, and so I thought uh, after reading this riveting text I would give you a quiz <laughs> just to make sure that you're on the edge of your seat let, let me ask you a question out of all of those people who was the oldest to live in that particular time? Oh, we got, I just wanted to make sure I knew where my Bible nerds were. Uh, that was a trick question. Uh, and, and who was this new son of Adam? Set three. See, see how we went from the, the, the answer, the Bible trivia. Do you remember what this was like learning this? Because what we do at, at when we're kids, let me, let's just own this so we know where we're at. How many of you were raised in church from the time you were young? All right, where's my people at? Where's the rest of us at, right? Uh, I was a little bit of that. I was kind of that, uh, that Bible baby and that felt board kid and, and kind of went wayward years later. But I remember what it was like to grow up in, in kids' church. And, and, and most of the time, it was these Bible stories, these obscure Bible stories. And you would, you would hear these stories, and at the end, you would play a game. You'd play a memory verse game. They'd ask questions about the game. How many of you remember what that was like? Right? And how many of you remember the kid who always knew the right answers? Right? Like, I, I just could remember everything I, I heard. And at the end of the, like, by the end of me, they kicked me out of kids' church too early, put me into the youth group. Bad idea. And, and yet, uh, they would bribe me not to play the memory verse games. Like, they were like, hey, there's a prize at the end. We're going to give you this one. Don't play tonight. Right? And, and, that, and that was me. But I remember, I so remember it vividly uh, that I got to be honest that most of the time what happens in our upbringing in church is we teach the Old Testament Bible stories, these fantastic narratives, and yet we don't complete the story because the story would be too much to bear for a child. I mean, think about it. Think about how many of us in our nurseries, and if, and if, if you have a small child and you've done this, I apologize. You're going to have to remodel after I say this. But how, how many of you like, grew up in the time where the nursery was done up in Noah's Ark, and there was all the animals, and there was all that? Here's the problem with that, uh, that depiction of Noah's Ark is there's no dead bodies in the flood. Have you ever noticed that? 
Some of you are like, no, we went accurate with ours. Well, you're a psycho, okay? All right? <laughs> like, like, like the reality is, is like the world and the scriptures are real and there's reality to it. And we can't remove away the reality of the scriptures. And so here's what we've tried to do when we say we have a safe, fun, and all about Jesus environment. When your kids leave here, we're going to teach them Jesus. And when we teach the Old Testament, we're going to teach how the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. We're not going to teach these epic narratives for the sake of teaching epic narratives because the kids get into these stories, but we want them to know about the person of Jesus. We don't want to just know who the oldest person in the Bible is. And very quickly, you go, no, 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 I know that one, Bible trivia game, Methuselah, right? But I want them to know how this passage points to the person of Jesus. Because here's the reality, 1 Corinthians tells us this. Paul says, listen, if Christ has not been raised, if this doesn't all lead up to the culmination of Jesus Christ dying in our place, trading places with us, bearing our shame and bearing our sin and taking away our guilt, and then three days later calling his own shot like Babe Ruth pulled off Easter, baby, right? And no one saw it coming, not the disciples, no one. He kept predicting it, he kept telling them, and yet no one, even the men, when the ladies came back and said, we found the tomb empty, no one believed them. Because Jesus is this, this person that divides us on whether or not we follow him. We believe that he is who he says he is. He's not just one among many moral teachers, but he actually raised bodily from the dead. And this is an idea. This isn't a metaphor for, for a new way of life. This is resurrected life. This man overcame death, hell, and the grave, and he offers us eternal life. That's where we're going. That, that's why he says, listen, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms or many dimensions for you sci-fi nerds. There are spaces and places that you do not know of. That's what I'm telling you. And if it were not so, I would not tell you. That's where we're going that's, how, that's where this thing is, it, the culmination of this thing is to have eternal life with Jesus. So then the end also has things to say about the beginning. So we've been talking about this worldview that we have, to, we have to wrestle with. We have to wrestle with these questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. And they're all interlinked. And, and, and we can't just avoid these questions. We have to wrestle with where did we come from? Why are we here? What do I do while I'm here? And where is this whole thing going? And so we wrestle with these things. And, and ultimately, if Christ has not been raised, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised and he's not prepared a place for us, if Christ has not been raised, then his words are invalid when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. But if Christ has been raised, that changes everything. If not, then all of our faith, our faith is futile. All of our faith, it, it, doesn't matter. It doesn't add up. 
if all of this, this story, we read a few weeks ago that from the beginning, from the start of the story, this prophecy that came after the snake deceived, this serpent, this liar, the father of lies, twisting the words of God. Did God really say? Don't you think that your way would be better than God's way? You can see that 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 old snake is still up to the same old tricks. Did he really say that? Let me twist it just a little bit. He wants to keep you from good things. He wants to keep you from enjoying yourself. He wants you to keep you from having fun and not realizing that they were in Eden, unadulterated pleasure with God. Man, listen, they, they, you can have everything. You can eat of any tree. And in this garden, there were no count calories. Like, Pastor Sam, how do you know that? Because they were naked and unashamed. Right, right, like they, they can live in, man, they, they, they had everything and the enemy will lie to you and deceive you about your view of who God is and convince you that your way is better than God's way, that your way is better than your heavenly father who loves you and cares for you. And even though maybe he says something that you don't like at the time or you don't understand that his purposes and his plans for you are for your good. Amen? Amen. I thought that was pretty good preaching, but <laughs> that's for your good. And, and so, so the end and, and the beginning are interlinked. And so it's in my job to go, okay, God, I don't fully understand. How do I, how do I know this, this plan? Well, well the, the enemy from the start deceived And although we were deceived and went astray, God had a plan from the beginning in this prophecy. This is what God says. No, there will come a day. We'll be separated and and the consequences of your sin, Adam and Eve, will be difficult. But here's the plan. Someday, the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman will come. You'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. He'll be wounded in the battle, but he will be victorious victorious that was the plan and from that day on after they're pushed out of the garden they're left to trying to figure it out their own way man the bible tells us that after cain's murder of abel evil and wickedness and violence increases throughout all of the land. And Pastor Tyler told us about how this murder of this innocent man, Abel, is a foreshadowing of those brothers. He came to his own, this foreshadowing of the person of Jesus, this innocent man who would be murdered. And Hebrews tells us that the sacrifice of of Jesus, the, the bloodshed of Jesus speaks a better word than the bloodshed of Abel. And that the murder of Abel brought violence and death and it spread throughout all the land. Here's what the blood of Jesus brought, grace and forgiveness and redemption and a new way of life. His sacrifice and his resurrected life is offered to us in this new way. And from that day on, the world has changed. The world is different. You may see that there's still violence. You may see that there's still wickedness in the world, but what you see is a group of people facing that head on, 
suffering well, moving towards humanitarian efforts and aids and, and, and deliverance. And, and yet throughout the world, there were all of these dynasties that were, were known from the Romans to the Babylonians to the Persians, the Egyptians, hundreds of years, these empires would rule and reign before the time of Jesus. And yet after the time of Jesus, Man, every wicked empire that would last for a few decades, not hundreds of years, not centuries, because of the people of God, you can trace that the people of God have subverted corrupted those the, when you corrupt corruption when when you subvert those who are in authority by heaping hot coals on them because you're giving them kind answers and loving answers and strong answers in a meek way when you see people in leadership serving first loving their neighbor as themselves before the time of Jesus if you were a part of a different tribe if you were a part of a different nation you were something different than your own people and Jesus says something radical love your neighbor as yourself care about those who are far off from you love other people the way you love you and Jesus says this because he knows you have a propensity to love you these people were honest what about you <laughs> You, you love you. And he says, no, 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 let me say something radical. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this only makes sense. This only actually works if it's true. And he is in charge. And he, he has changed the world, actually turned it upside down. And, and sometimes we have to be reminded of what the world was like and, and ultimately what people and ethic, what ethic they had, what, what kind of guided them as societies. And yet, from the time of Jesus on, the principles of Jesus have changed the known world. And yet, I can see that that's not a new thing. This has always been the plan from the start. The plan from the start was to show us a different way. What is that different way? A way that's different than what the serpent introduced. A way that's different than the serpent saying, your way is better than God's way. Ah, did he really say? See, that's been the trajectory of humanity from the time of the garden. And yet you hear it in the ethos of our culture. You hear sermons preached, just do you. Do what feels good. Your truth is truth. No, friend, it is not. Truth is truth, whether you choose to accept it or not. So when I look back at the scriptures, when I get to passages like this, I have to go, what is God saying in this particular passage? How does the beginning link with the end? Now, as I was reading that passage, I stopped and said, maybe you're beginning to see a pattern. How many of you saw a pattern in the text? Right? This one had this son. He lived this many years after he had his son. And then he... Then he... Right? You get a Snickers after 
church. Right. You did good with your memory verse games. Right? But, but did you catch that one of them was different than the others? Do you see that there was a pattern, and the pattern is there, and the pattern uh, almost becomes mundane in a way that you fall asleep to the pattern, and then you can gloss over the change in the text. Where does it change? Bible nerds, I love you guys. There's this one part, the seventh generation, and it says that Jared had lived 160 years after he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years after he had sons. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Then what does verse 22 say? Enoch walked with God. Will you say that? with me Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and he had other sons and daughters and then the Bible says it again thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years verse 24 say it with me Enoch walked with God and then it says and he was not and he was not for God took him now all, all these every, every adam seth uh, kenan enosh uh, mahalalel all of them jared methuselah lamech all of them with no reference to them walking with god no reference although uh, chapter 4 ends with and Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and called his name Seth for she said God has appointed for me another offspring instead or in place of Abel instead of or in place of Abel for Cain killed him to Seth also a son was born and he called him Enosh at the time people began to call on the name of the Lord here, here's what Genesis begins to show us is there's actually two genealogies. Pastor Tyler read one last week and then I've read one this week. And you see Cain's offspring all to where they have uh, sons that they name the, sa- the same Lamech. And Lamech in Cain's story is a man of vengeance and wrath and violence. And he actually sings a song who says, I, 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 here's my life, is if someone looks at me the wrong way, man, I can identify with this guy. How about you, right? And, and yet our tendency is, is to be like this. Like, let, let's be honest. Man, sometimes when we realize we go our way rather than God's way, we get our own way. And we realize once we get our way, that we realized it was no way at all. Man, this wasn't the right way. I got my way. I, I, I made my path. I, 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 I sowed my oats. I, I, I did what I wanted to do, and I realized that wasn't, that wasn't the path at all. That led to nothing and nowhere. And it shows us Cain's offspring. And then it shows Seth, who's born in place of Abel. 
All of a sudden you're beginning to hear the terminology that you read in the New Testament. The substitute. Seth comes in. There's, there's a, a, a son born, an offspring that were born that brings a different lineage in place of the slain Abel. And Seth has a son and he has a son and he has a son. And yet the lineage that you see is one one father's sin gets passed down to the son. His ethic, his ethos, man, begins to change the trajectory of generations. We talk about this sometimes. We, we talk about the word sin. Sin in the Hebrew is this word kata, which is this idea of an archer shooting an arrow. Now, you may say sin means to miss the mark. Yeah, exactly like the trajectory of an arrow. But here's the reality of when you think about how you aim, anyone who's a hunter or, or, or you're used to shooting bows and arrows or, 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 or firearms, you, you realize that uh, the distance, from uh, a, as you increase the distance, the, the odds of your accuracy, the odds of you being in line over time increase right the odds of you missing the mark if i'm five feet away 10 yards away 300 yards a mile away well it matters how much i'm off with my aim you with me and so sometimes here's what happens as christians as believers we think that this small mistake this small thing in this particular moment will not matter but stretch this out over time. Create some distance. Man, add a lifetime. Add generations underneath you. Father, be aware of the decisions you make affect you and generations to a thousand years. Realize, notice that when we talk about our society and the need for fathers, strong men who lead courageously, humbly serving and protecting their families, think about the small thing adds up over time, bro. The small foxes spoil the vine. It's the little things that you should cast off that easily set you back. Man, uh, it, it might not matter today, but today's turn into tomorrow's and, and weeks and years and generations and legacies that you pass down. Cain's legacy leads to violence. Seth is born. Adam and Eve begin to have different conversations. I bet they led differently. I bet Seth had a different upbringing than Cain and Abel. I bet how they interacted with Seth and what they talked, because it then says they begin to call on the name of the Lord. Even from them feeling rejected, God moved them out of Eden by his grace. And yet he pursues them. He has a plan for them. He keeps coming after them. He keeps, he, he, he keeps trying to woo them and pull them. Even when Cain commits murder, he, he protects him? 
Man, let me just, let me just remove what the enemy has done trying to create this divide of your view of God as if God is some angry man in the sky, as if he's a mob boss who's saying, Hey, listen, get it, get it right or pay the price, friend. And what our view, see, the enemy plays these games with your view of who God is. And the fight, the war in your mind is, the New Testament says this, that the weapons of our warfare are not of this, God, of this world, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that would exalt itself, that would run to the place that God should be in. Anytime you begin to say God's, God's asleep, you don't say it, you think it. And he's, he's absent. He's not around. He didn't hear me. No, no, no. Friend, he hears and he's there and he's pursuing. Even your desire to call on the name of the Lord is him there wooing you. I'm here to help. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm with you. This is the pursuit from the start of the book. But there are those who make different decisions. He's there. He's present. This is how we'll know what love is. Not that we first loved God. Not that we pursued him. Not that we ran after him. But that he was there for us and with us. And it tells how people make different decisions. How people choose whether or not they're going to go their way or God's way. Enoch begins to show us a foreshadowing. What's it say? It says that Enoch walked with God. What's that sound like back, looking back? Well, it says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Walked with God, Adam did. Enoch walked with God. Now let's fast forward. Do you remember when Jesus calls his first disciples? What's he say to him? Follow me. Let's go for a walk. Say what? Why does Jesus choose that? Not come learn from me. Not, uh, not, not hey, I, I got some things for you I'd like you to do. He, he doesn't talk about their call. He gives them an invitation to what? Walk with Wait, wait, wait. Thousands of years ago, this book is written and it tells us about this one man, Adam, who left his place, his ability to walk with God. And then we read that there's still this opportunity, that God was still there available. We think God had rejected them. God's still there. And it says, Enoch walked with God. Jesus comes and says, follow me. Follow me. I started thinking, what could I take from this text? Because we can get caught up, like many of you maybe realize that there, there's a book of Enoch. There's like first and second Enoch. And, and, and there are people, there's even like, you'll, you'll watch uh, these conspiracy theory, uh, ancient aliens, and they'll tell you all this stuff about the book of Enoch. Even, even 
but here, here's the reality. There is this book, and whether or not it's, it's attributed to Enoch, whether he actually wrote it or people attribute it to him, that's up for debate. It's not in our canon of Scripture. However, the Bible does reference the book of Enoch multiple times in the Old Testament. Jude, or in other words, Judah, the great name, and... The book of Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, actually quotes the book of Enoch. And it's in this fascinating book, this one-page script that Jude writes to this church. And he's talking about, uh, ultimately, kind of the pointing towards the culmination, the end of the world. And you know what he does? When he talks about the end, he ties it to the beginning. When he talks about what will happen, he goes, see, it's like this, what happened with Cain. It's actually what happened with Moses. He goes, what, what will happen? We've seen this before. We've seen the tricks of the devil. We've seen the tricks of Satan. We've seen, and yet all of his tricks are go your own way. And the invitation of Jesus is, will you walk with me? Will you follow me? I mean, think about even implying that. Enoch walked with God. Jesus says, follow me. It says Enoch walked with God and then God took him. All the other ones, and then they died, and then they died, and then they died. Enoch says, then he was not, for God took him. Now, there's this famous passage of Scripture, uh, and Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow did not write it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, maybe you've heard of it, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not Enoch walked with God and then he was not for God took him. Where do they go? I have a place prepared for you. And if it was not true, I wouldn't have told you. And if you believe in me, you will not perish but have everlasting life. See, belief is so tied to behavior. Belief is so tied to what we do. What we believe moves us in the trajectory of where we're going. There's always movement in the scripture to what we believe. It's not just, it's just not a faith that is stagnant. It's faith that is active. James says it this way. If you want to know what my faith is like, look at what I do. They're intricately tied. My my. My salvation is not tied to what I do, but it's a response. What I do is a response to what I actually believe. Or in other words, when Jesus says, follow me, do you believe that where he is going is for your good? That's the question. When he says, follow me, he says, come with me. I want to teach you. I want to love you. I want to take you on a journey. I have a place prepared for you. Do you believe that he is good? Because if that belief is he is who he says he is, 
and he's good and he's for your good, then you'll begin to walk with him. First John says that if we are in the light, as he is in the light, if we walk with him in the light, then we are forgiven from all unrighteousness and that we have fellowship one with another. Every time the Bible talks about faith, every time it talks about intricately who we are in relation to God, it has movement. Jesus says this, I am the the way. Enoch walked with God. What? He believed there was a way. He believed there was actually a way of salvation. He actually believed the words of God that someday there'll be one who crushes the head of the serpent, who fixes all this, who redeems us back. I'll trust him, even though what I see around me is chaos. I know he's ordering things. I know that the story that God is writing is bigger than the page we are living on. See, faith isn't about saying a prayer and getting fire insurance. Right? It's like I, I, I got my card, I got my do not go to hell card, right? Like we're playing Monopoly, right? You're like, all right, do not pass go, do not collect $200 straight to, right? Is that, is, that, is that what we think? We think this is a game with God. We, we think this is simply about saying the right things and having the right belief system, or is it about putting one foot in front of the other and walking with Jesus? Follow me. A couple weeks ago, I uh, had a conversation with, with a young man, at, uh, and I love saying that because I'm older now. And he's like, hey, I, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. And then he went on to tell me some fascinating things for someone who does not consider themselves to be a Christian. He's like, I'm almost done with reading the entire Bible. And I was like, do you know how many Christians have never done that? <laughs> Some of you didn't want to laugh at that joke because you're like, yeah. Because, uh. yeah, I just want to know. Like if there's, he says, I just want to know. Like think what were you saying? What do you want to know? If it's not true, what are you looking for? I just want to know. If, the, if there's stuff to be known in it, if there's truth inside of it, I'm, I'm living. But th there's something about this Jesus. And I go, um, hey, uh, let me give you a little tip. Uh, the th He's like, I just don't know if I'm there yet. And I'm like, oh, you're there. Because what, what we forget is that even before the disciples had the culmination of the resurrection and the ascension, they still were like, what? What, what I don't, we don't, we don't know yet, 
how this is going to work out. How many of you uh, as believers go, I don't, I don't know everything. Right? It's not crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's, making sure you say all the right stuff and have all the right formulas and go all to the right spots and find in the book. The question is, are you following Jesus? I go, bro, you, you're already following Jesus. You, you're literally reading the book that's all about him, looking for him. I want to know him. I want to know truth. I wouldn't call myself a Christian. That's fine. Wasn't his title anyways. You realize like Christian was only written a couple times in the Bible and it was everybody else giving them the title, like all these little Christ people who walk like him, who talk like him. <laughs> Asher's playing a song right now that we're writing. And the first line of it says, from the rising of the sun, your spirit's calling me. From the moment that I wake, your mercy's made new. And the chorus goes on to say, where you are is where I'll be. That's where I want to be. Your holiness, Christ in me. See, here's the reality. The Holy Spirit is drawing us. See, the ability to even follow Jesus is the Holy Spirit wooing. Jesus says to Nicodemus before the famous John 3.16, he says, you don't know where the wind comes from, you don't know where it's going, but the Spirit of God is blowing and he is wooing and he is calling. And when you take that one step forward towards Jesus, know that that was not you, that was him. From the start, from the start of your story, the wind of the Spirit is calling and drawing you. The question is, will we listen? Along the way, will we follow when he corrects us? I mean, it was just yesterday, I was trying to, you know, I know everyone thinks, I, I gotta tell one story that's negative about my son Judah, don't tell him. And uh, everyone's like, Judah's the golden boy. And like there's sometimes that, you ever get like that of those firstborns, you know? How many firstborns? Get out of here. Right, like, and you look at him like, hey, like, hey, Judah, can you go over there and pick up that towel and put it into the clothes hamper? And he, he like walks around like, hey, but I'm standing here. He just walks right past me. He's like, what? hey, Judah, Judah. How many parents know that they're like, hey, Judah, Judah. Hey, the top, he walks in the other room. It's literally right here. He walks into that room. Like, hey, hey, bud, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> you, you didn't hear me, right? Okay. And then I go, hey, it's not my responsibility to make sure that you hear me. It's your responsibility to listen. Let me say that again. It's not his responsibility. He's given you the option. He loves you enough to let you decide. He's speaking. He's calling. He's saying, follow me. He's saying, go my way, not your way. 
He's saying, will you walk with me and let me give you eternal life? Let me show you what life truly is. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. But will you listen in every area? Or will you get kind of close and then wander around? Do you feel like it, it, it's, you feel like if I'm just a little off, it's fine? I mean, yeah, 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 you said, you said that one thing and I listened to that, but I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear you when you said that other thing. No, no, no. Were we listening? Aim small, miss small. Follow Jesus. Pursue him because he'll lead you to life. Friends, this is our goal. This is our trajectory to submit to the Lord. Yo, if the devil's after me, the devil's defeated. He's weak. He's anemic. He plays shadow games. So submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The fight is will you walk with Jesus? Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, you're good and you're good to us. And where you are is where we want to be. It's your holiness. Christ, you are in us and through us, you traded places for us. In our place, you came. You lived, you died, you rose again, and you made a way. And we'll go your way because you are truth and life. Help us to submit to your word, not to act like we didn't hear you, not to act like we, we don't know those passages, not to pick and choose, but to actually walk with you and see the beauty in the journey that you're taking us on. We thank you. We praise you. Let everything we say and do bring glory to God and good to this valley. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.